But if you love what you're doing and want to make a living out of it, know that there will be obstacles, mistakes, and just be ready to recover and learn from those and grow. You just have to go for it. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Ronald Lowe's, owner of the furniture company Handmade by Ronald Lowe's. Ronald is at day one with his business. He had the idea, followed his passion, put in the work, and now he's ready to open the doors of his very own company. But as you will hear, just saying you're open for business is the minimum buy-in for having your own furniture company. There is so much more that goes into it once you get going. Having a plan is a good first step, but executing that plan is where the success is made. So follow along as we talk about switching your career, who to talk to when starting something new, getting your head around opening your own business, and much more. So let's get into the episode and hear about Ronald's journey in his own words. I would say woodworking, not necessarily furniture building, but woodworking started as a pretty young child. My grandfather was an artist in Florida. And when we would go visit, besides watching him work in his art studio, he encouraged the grandkids to join him and make birdhouses. Very simple, you know, two sides, a roof and a floor. And that was it. From there, my dad had a wood shop, always doing projects. One of my most vivid memories is that he had a Craftsman radial arm saw, and it was this gigantic, violent beast that I wasn't allowed to touch. I had to stand back when he used it, but it could do everything. Um, And I'm surprised they're not as popular now as they were back then, but it was just an amazing thing. And it was probably 10 years of watching him use it before I was allowed to touch it. But he always had tools and always had projects. He was in the Air Force and kind of halfway through his Air Force career, he started a renovation business and was doing HUD houses. So he would buy a house with the agreement that they would fix it up and sell it and improve the neighborhoods and stuff. And so I got involved in that. I was going with him and and learning about framing and plumbing and insulation and electrical and all of this. And so I've always been kind of in the woodworking area, but that wasn't my career path. When I was in high school, I'll date myself. This is mid eighties. Uh, I got into programming computers and loved it. Before I graduated high school, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Went to school for it, and I've been a web programmer for over 35 years. What's interesting to me is as I've kind of rediscovered woodworking and getting into furniture building, are the things that you wouldn't expect that translate from my computer programming career into woodworking. I've always been, you know, the customer first, profits last. Now, I'm in a big company now. I started it when it was very small and we butt heads, you know, it's a public company. There's 
executives who are all about the bottom line. We've got to make money. We've got to milk every customer for as much money as we can. And I'm like, why you do that? You're just going to have a bunch of one-time customers. That same philosophy has kind of influenced my furniture building that I don't want to make something just to get paid. And if it's not great, I can live with them being a one-time customer. I want to make something that just blows their mind that they want to give me reviews. They want to refer me to their friends. They want me to come back and make the next thing, the bigger thing. So I, I put quality above quantity. I don't want to just churn out a bunch of stuff just to get paid. I want to, I want to be known for putting out top quality. I can tell that you have a tremendous amount of conviction in how you want to run your company. You have that roadmap in your head of this is what I'm going to do. This is the type of customer service I'm going to offer. This is the type of company I'm going to offer. But I do have to to put that little asterisk there that you are brand new. This is basically day one of this business. So these ideas are there, but now they're actually being implemented. And as you start, as you're on day one of your own business, I want to look at how you got to that. Yes, you have a whole career before and drawing from that and from those experiences is is exactly what you should be doing with that career or any career that you have before, because there are always parallels that you can find in any job to furniture making. But I want to I want to talk about actually the furniture making and the skills, learning the skills, but also learning the business skills as well to start running straight from day one and be able to live up to the expectations that you've set for yourself. So when you decided to switch from your programming job, your job for a long time, which would be a full career for somebody to furniture making, how did you go about that? I don't know that there was one day where I was just, hey, I want to start making furniture. You know, I think like a lot of people, I'm watching HGTV. You know, I grew up with Bob Vila and Norm Abrams, and it's always been there, this kind of application of creativity and in woodworking. To me, I think I, I just found stuff online that I was inspired. And it was this gradual evolution of I have the basic skills, I've got a decent set of tools. I enjoy making this stuff. I want to just try it out. And really, I wasn't sure if I was good enough, if I could commit to making quality products. What happened was I had already started to get interested in making tables and, and looking at furniture and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was on social media and I came across Lighthouse and Lucas's posts, and they had posted uh, just some words that said, don't be afraid to chase your dream. Don't take no for an answer. So I looked them up and I just went there. I just drove over there, walked into their showroom and said, hey, I'm Ronald Lowe's and 
I'm interested in volunteering here one day a week so that I can help you guys out and you can kind of teach me the furniture business and the finer points of making tables. I learned so much about the process, but really about how to make sure you're delivering quality. In my computer programming world, we have this concept of the, you know, you want to know the definition of done. When is something done? Is it when you're just done writing it? Is it done when it's tested and accepted? Is it done when it has proven itself profitable and useful? So what is done? Well, Lighthouse had big sheets of paper on the wall saying, this is when a table is done. When it doesn't have tool marks, when it doesn't have visible gaps, when the finish is applied correctly and it looks uniform. But the biggest thing I, I took away from Lighthouse was it that it was okay to make mistakes. And working with wood, things don't go perfectly. They almost never go perfectly. Sometimes they go horribly. The trick is not to panic, to think about how you can recover. What can you do differently? You're only going to learn how to do it by doing it. And if there's a mistake, you do it again and get it so that it's acceptable to a customer. It's true. The only way to learn how to do it is to actually do it. And that's what you did. You wanted to learn this business and you went out of your way to reach out to an established company and work with them. And you put yourself out there so you could work with them. And that's how you built up your skills to be able to say, now I feel comfortable going out on my own and doing this for myself. But that was only the woodworking skill part, right? And a little bit of the social media. And But at the same time, I went to the Small Business Administration and they put me in touch with SCORE mentors, retired executives. And basically there are people who have run successful businesses who have since retired and offer their expertise to people who are just starting out. And I had Zoom calls with two guys from SCORE um, over the course of probably three months talking about what I wanted to do focused mostly on how do I get myself out there? How do I raise awareness that I have a brand, that I have a product? And they had a lot of suggestions. Some of them I took, some of them I didn't. The messaging that they gave me was it's very hard to reinvent yourself, to rebrand yourself. Once you come out the gate, if you are making okay furniture, it's hard to then say, oh no, I'm actually super fine furniture for luxury consumers. And Lighthouse Woodworks, they also put out a, a video about getting started and they emphasize the need to specialize. You know, it's easy to say, oh, I just want to get every possible sale. I want to make tables. I want to make chairs. I want to make millwork. I want to just make everything, you know, I'm, I'll make a lamp if that's what you want, because I want to get paid for making a lamp. But I have 300 square feet of shop. It's not versatile. I need to make it so that I can make tables. And so I've, over the last two months, kind of really focused everything on just specializing in tables and being able to make the best tables I can make. 
I need to be more judicious in what I'm putting into the shop so that I can really focus on just the one thing. And that works in both ways. It works for what you're taking in for your shop, the physical things, the physical tools, the way you're positioning yourself to build things. But it also works going back to taking advice and talking to mentors. And sometimes people think that if they reach out to a mentor or somebody who's been there before, then they have to take all that advice, everything that comes their way, because that person's been there before. But there's also the part where it's important to listen to people and not take that advice. It's important to hear what other people do to understand where that road leads and then to look at yourself and understand yourself and say, that's not where I want to take my company. That's not where my journey goes. So it's important to be able to to look at everything, to keep your eyes open, but also to be able to organize what you need and what is good to take in for you. Another thing you said talking about, it's hard to reinvent yourself. And you said it in the in terms of furniture, but it also rings true for people. And you're doing just that. You're 57 years old, and this is not your first job. You have had a career. And I have to wonder how you are in your mind reinventing yourself because for so long you've thought of yourself and who you are fundamentally as a programmer as one thing and now you're something completely different and you can do all the the physical stuff get all the tools build the furniture but it's also a mental switch that you have to do so what have you done mentally after having an entire career to get yourself in that mindset It's a good question because it's not a conscious process. You don't think, okay, I want to do this. I need to get my mind right. But it's more, what can I take from what I've done and apply to the next thing? To me, it was, I've always felt creative. Now I just want to be creative a different way. At the same time, I've been sitting at a desk for 35 years and I'm physically capable of doing this now. And I fear that being sedentary behind a desk more is actually worse for me and my health and my family. And I need to be more active. I enjoy doing this. It's going to give me a lot more happiness and hopefully a lot more health and a lot more life. And there's the the obvious benefit that owning my own company, I can kind of drive the scale of the business. I can decide whether I want to kill myself in a startup mentality and work 16, 17 hour days, or if I want to be very selective in the jobs that I take and just be okay with working on one or two projects at a time and enjoy it. The last thing I want to have happen is take something that I love making tables and have it be something that I loathe because it's just so much work and so much burden. Um, So when I hear advice, when I think about the future, I'm really thinking I need to be looking out for myself. 
and make sure that I am making this the kind of company, the kind of business, the kind of activity that is sustainable and I continue to enjoy. We can talk about the ideas and the mindset all we want, but when it comes down to it, you are leaving your job and you're starting a company. And now it's not just going to be a hobby. It's going to be how you're putting food on the table. So it becomes a real business. And the ideas of the way you want to run your business, they might not always coincide with the reality of having a furniture company and having to make money in that furniture company. You seem like you're like a checklist kind of kind of guy where you have to be very, very organized. And so I don't think that this is something that you're doing just on a whim. You're not jumping into it. So I'm sure there is a checklist that you had to go through for yourself. Can you walk us through maybe the top five things on that checklist that you said, I need to make sure I have these before I go live with my own thing? Yeah. Most of the things are very pragmatic. For example, I have been building tables by going to the hardwood store and loading up my SUV. And when I made the decision that, yeah, this is going to be my job, I was like, I got to get rid of the SUV. I got to get a truck and make that happen. So getting a truck was one. Um, my tool situation was, we'll say, high-end Home Depot. Um, and there were things that I just don't have the room or the finances to do. So I joined a local maker space and have access now to, you know, a full-size table saw, you know, an eight foot long jointer, um, just a, a lot of tools that are going to make it a lot easier and 24 seven access to the tools that I need when I get to projects that are just bigger than my shop can handle. I had a feeling that starting a company was a possibility. So at the end of last year, I got onto my wife's health insurance so that that wouldn't be a, a concern. The other items have been social media, trying to build that up and build up, I'll call it legitimacy, by showing either portfolio pieces that I've made for myself or the few customer projects that I've had um, that came out better than I even imagined. They, they really, I was very happy with the way they came out. Customers loved it. That stuff was great. And then working on my website. So obviously I'm a web programmer. So I put a lot of emphasis on making sure that I had a good web presence that you could find me, that SEO was right, that, that it had links to the things that were important. It has, you know, some of my Instagram feed in there. It has projects in there. It has, you know, hey, I want to start a project. Tell me about your project and things like that. And that's already starting to pay dividends. I've gotten phone calls and projects coming from that. Um, and that's really been the, the last thing, the last piece that I needed was some security that the next customer wasn't six months away. It was just around the corner. And the emails have been coming, the phone's been starting to ring. And I'm just like, 
this everything from my mentors, both at SCORE and at Lighthouse, and my friends and people who know what I've been trying to do, they're all like, this feels like it's working and you should just go. And then I go back to thinking about mistakes and recovering from mistakes. And I'm like, you know what? I have to risk failure and I have to risk making a misstep in starting this business and just trust that I will figure out a way to recover from whatever mistakes. Cause I'm 100% sure I'm going to be making mistakes over the next year, <laughs> both in woodworking, but more importantly in running the business, just from accounting to sales, to, uh, you know, leaning too much on technology versus word of mouth or vice versa, you know, just finding that perfect sweet spot for growing the business, not making it too hard on myself, still enjoying it. I'm going to screw that up, but I'll recover from it somehow. As somebody who's done this for a rather long time, and has also talked to a lot of furniture company owners, I can 100% guarantee that you will mess up on things. And it won't be the end of the world, even though at times it will feel like it. But if you do have a strong base and a, and a sturdy foundation, and you understand your business, then there are ways to come back from small and even giant mistakes. So Yes, there will be mistakes, but at least you're walking into it with open eyes. Yeah. I mean, it's all part of the growth process. You know, it's not just sales growth. It's, you know, growing as a business owner and understanding all the different aspects of what it takes to succeed and thrive and not get crushed. Usually, because this is a show about the furniture business, I'll continue to talk about their furniture company and how they're building it. But since you are day one, you don't really have that track record. But you do have, and what I want to get into that a lot of people don't have, is a lot of experience with the internet and search results and figuring out how to set that up. And you talked about it a little bit, but I think that that is a goldmine for you starting a business, but also for people listening who might not have that background to build on. So can you talk about what you did from a technical standpoint to get your website up and running? So you did start to get those phone calls and emails and customers on day one. Sure. I mean, I don't want to get too technical in the programming of it, but obviously Google and anything that's indexing websites have algorithms for determining what is not really quality, but relevant. So if you say I am a furniture company and then you have a whole bunch of pictures with no words, not really relevant because they need to have some content other than just the images that ties what you say you are to what you are. And they look at header tags or, you know, header elements, um, the body text to see, you know, do you have regular updates with relevant material content that talks about woodworking? Do you have kind of the embedded 
meta tags is what they're called that all the social medias look at. It's called Open Graph Protocol. And there's a bunch of tags that say for this page, this is what this page is about. And if you're going to show a preview image, this is the preview image. And it's things like that. If you're not great at programming, there's a ton of resources. You can you know, take your website, take your URL, look for you know, an SEO analytics site. And literally, it's free. And you can just put your URL in there. It'll scan your page as if they're Google. And they'll tell you all the things that are wrong and right about your page. And then you can just make adjustments from there. And you just keep iterating over that. You know, it'll never be perfect, but you get it to the point where you're like, okay, that's as good as I can make it. And that's usually good enough. You just want to make sure that the search engine perceives your page as being relevant to the topic that you say you're about. There is a wealth of knowledge that you have that you are going to take from your past career and put into your new career as a furniture company owner. And I know you're new to this, you're, you're day one, but you have done your research, you've looked into this, you've talked with people who have been there, and you've also been there yourself in another career. So I'm going to ask you for people who are just starting out just like you, but also people who have had a company for a long time, what's some advice that you could share for both those types of people that you've gained in your life and career up till now that you're going to use moving forward in your business? There's a theme that has repeated in my career and in my decision-making about starting a business and that will undoubtedly continue, which is being okay, being comfortable, knowing that you might fail, you might make mistakes, there is risk. Sometimes the risk is going to be paralyzing. But if you love what you're doing, you know, they say if you do what you love, you, you'll never work a day. But if you love what you're doing and want to make a living out of it, know that there will be obstacles, mistakes, and just be ready to recover and learn from those and grow. You just have to go for it. You just have to go for it. It's it's easier said than done sometimes, but sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes you need to do it. And that's exactly what you're doing. You're proof that sometimes you have to make that switch and you have to jump off the deep end. And even though you've made all the plans and checked all the boxes, it's still going to be an adventure. And I wish you the best of luck and all the success in your new endeavor and your new business. And I can't wait to see where it goes. So congratulations and wishing you all the success moving forward. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll do this again in a year and we'll see where I am. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you got value out of it, please think about leaving a review and subscribing wherever you listen. To learn more about the series, please visit buildingafurniturebrand.com and feel free to reach out anytime with questions or guest suggestions to 
hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can find me at The Build with Ethan on Instagram. Hope you enjoyed the show and can't wait to bring you the next one.